Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Restoration. Here is your host. The textbook is Tradition and the Church by Monsignor George Aegis. Today we are up to chapter 11, which is entitled The Intellect of the Church. Father, we can start with the first headline. The Catholic Church is the subject of divine tradition. The deposit of faith is the object. As always, can you please enlighten us as to what these terms mean and what the headline means? Sure. Well, Monsignor, actually, this this chapter and the next chapter really are they're more uh, on the long along the lines of uh, uh, technical, I guess you could say, or maybe a little bit more intricate, uh, explaining a very the general explanation of what, what really the whole book is about is that um, it's a re- refutation really of sola scriptura of you know the Protestants saying that it's only scripture etc and to say that no tradition actually is a broader subject in that regards but you know there's a, a Monsignor in this chapter he, he talks again about the intellect of the church the Catholic intellect or the ecclesiastical sense uh, of, of that and he quotes from some of the uh, fathers of the church to begin with to get an idea what that means. And I'll just read what St. Saint, uh, Saint Ignatius, <clears throat> he's uh, St. Uh, Ignatius says that he warns his people to be all of one mind in the sentence of God. In other words, in the doctrine of God. And for Jesus Christ, our inseparable life is the sentence, the doctrine, the word of the Father as are also the bishops throughout the whole world constituted in the sentence of Jesus Christ. In other words, Monsignor says that the word sentence in that, and that St. Ignatius is explaining, means unanimity and union of the faithful with their bishops, as these are then united in doctrine with Jesus Christ. So it's the, the understanding of the one mind of all, the one in faith. It's like the mark, for, mark of the church, the one. Uh, you know, it's the same. Uh, everyone understands and believes the same, which is what our Lord demands and, and has taught us. And <clears throat> Monsignor quotes as well some other fathers of the church, but he also quotes as, as well Tertullian. He calls, it says, Tertullian calls tradition uh, the only rule of faith and the rule which the church received from the apostles, the apostles from Christ, Christ from God. And so it's that understanding um, that uh, the um, the intellect of the church is that of tradition, is that of, uh, of, of, this, uh, of the teaching church uh, and the deposit of faith together. Um, and so Monsignor goes to as well and talks about the... Uh, the subject then is imbued, apprised, and molded by tradition uh, is the teaching church. Uh, and the deposit of faith then, which is kept, explained, and delivered by the same teaching church, then signify that divine tradition, which is the object of our faith and which must be kept and explained by the teaching church. So you have the teaching church and you have what is taught, basically, is what Monsignor is explaining, is that uh, it is the same in regards to uh, the teaching church does not teach anything what has not uh, been taught to them. In other words, Jesus Christ. And, and so you can refer, they're not two separate things, though, as Monsignor says, is that um, they refer to the same thing, tradition considered either as the object delivered or as the manner of delivery. Um, and so, you know, the church uh, 
which is animated by that divine tradition, is, is then the subject. Um, and so the church is informed and assisted by the Holy Ghost to, to be the interpreter, to be the teacher of that deposit of faith. And that deposit then of faith is the object then of our belief. So you have the one who teaches and the one and what is being taught. And, and they're in union with each other. And so, again, the subject is the church, and the object is the deposit of faith. <clears throat> and so that Catholic intellect, um, or as Monsignor says, the Catholic intellect or the ecclesiastical intelligence or sense, um, refers then to the subject, to the church. Um, the church preaching, the rule of faith, the rule of truth, show the object of our belief, the subject and the object tradition of necessity go then again together. Basically. Again, it's a refutation of the Protestants, two things, really. The sola scriptura, only scripture, and also the, um, the private interpretation by Protestants. You know, uh, each Protestant has their own authority of, them, of themselves to be the interpreter and the preacher and deliverer of uh, scripture and tradition, really. So Protestants, they reject, of course, uh, the authority of the church. And then because of that, they have rejected then the subject of divine tradition, which is a teaching church. And they've kept only the object, which is only part of Revelation. So basically, it's like it's like an unloaded gun in a certain sense. You know, there's no bullets in it. Uh, you know, it's empty. It's useless um, in that regards. Um, so there's no subject to to... Uh, understand, to interpret, to keep tradition, to keep the teachings of our Lord, to keep them intact without any error, and to teach them truly, because they've rejected the subject, they've rejected the church, who is the infallible teacher of then that uh, um, the the object of the of divine faith. And so, again, this this it's a it's a way that Monsignor is using in this chapter. Uh, and really the next one as well, for more along the lines of those who, who come across, uh, say, more um, supposedly uh, learned Protestants who try to use little technical things of, of that. But basically it's the same thing. It's, just, it's, a, it's a refutation of the Protestant rejection of any kind of authority other than themselves. Yes, you... you... You can't just pick one or the other. You have to go with both. Otherwise, both uh, by themselves, they're just, like you said, worth nothing. Right. I mean, ultimately, because it's just like, I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, I, I, or I ordered something to the mail. Uh, it was uh, like a big kind of a compost uh, thing, plastic thing, you know, that you put compost in to make good dirt and stuff like that for my garden. But you know, the they had the instructions in it, but the instructions they sent the wrong instructions. They sent it was in Chinese. Uh. <laughs> so I I don't read Chinese, so I can't put it together. There's a thousand parts, so it's useless to me at mm. this point until they send a new direction. So I I need the instructions, and the instructions, of course, is provided in that in this sense by the church. Is that she is the instructions? She is the interpreter of how to understand and and interpret and to to teach. Uh, and to keep and teach things true, uh, true faith truly, which was given to us by our Lord, and so is only the church that, that can do that. 
Yes. Father, we'll move on to the next headline, which is page 240. The Catholic intellect instructing and moving the church in her solemn definitions or manifesting itself in the consent of the apostolic succession under the assistance of the Holy Ghost is the infallible interpreter of Scripture. Again, it's just a, a, an understanding that the that Catholic intellect is the understanding then of the teaching church of the the mind of the church, basically, if you want to keep it that way. It is the Catholic intellect then that under then the assistance of the Holy Ghost, it does direct the church in, in an infallible manner. That's why the church, of course, is infallible in that regards. And so, you know, the church the church is in in possession, of course of the deposit of faith of which holy scripture um are the most uh, important parts but it follows that and monsignor says it follows that it is the holy ghost who keeps forever in the church not only the material part of the scriptures but also the catholic understanding of those scriptures in other words the church is there to interpret the words of scripture is that the the churches are to the sense of that scripture passage because um you know you it must include of course whatever sense those words and forms have their true sense and their true intellect because as you well know someone can read something from holy scripture themselves and it could be that they could take a whole different interpretation of what the true sense of what was meant for that without the guidance of the holy church and so you could have someone like, you know, we have uh, uh, down in Deep South, you know, down in the Deep South close to here is that you, know, you still have these uh, um, Protestant uh, little, you know, churches, sex, sex you know, that, uh, you know, they're snake handlers. <clears throat> and I'm sure you've heard of those before is that, you know, they take in scripture where it says, you know, if you can pick up snakes and it won't, you know, and they, the poison won't, won't kill you. Basically just to, be, telling uh, in scripture of uh, the understanding of that, you know, by faith, you know, you won't get, you won't die because of, of uh, handling snakes and things like that. So this is what they do. Now, Holy Mother Churches, you, you don't read that literally like that. There's a different sense to what was being said there, not what they're taking it as. And so this is why every once in a while you read in the paper, Oh, someone got bit and died. Um, so <laughs> apparently they didn't have faith. So, you know, that it's very dangerous, obviously, spiritually, first and foremost, but uh, even physically in that regards. Uh, but so, you know, basically it is, it is only then the ministry then instituted by Christ to be under the guidance and assistance of the Holy Ghost, which has the right and the power to interpret scriptures infallibly. Uh, in other words, it is not... Um, given to everyone, just individually and whatever, because again, uh, again, you can point to Protestants how someone could read something in Scripture, and this another person right next to them, sitting right next to them in some Bible study, could read the exact same uh, Scripture passage, and they could have two opposite meanings for them that they've come up with themselves. If if it was true that people could privately interpret and they would be correct and that would be there would be conflicting beliefs obviously and that would uh mean that the philosophy the concept of subjectivism would be correct but as we know as the catholic church has declared there is objective truth so it's not it, it is unless the catholic church is wrong which obviously it cannot be it is impossible for private interpretations to be subjectively right it just it doesn't make sense 
Right. I mean, you can just see that again in praxis is that, again, I mean, if if this person's saying this is right and the next person is saying something opposite, but he's saying that's right. So, but yet Protestants say that the scripture is the word of God. So then either God is a liar, you know, blasphemously saying that, or, you know, they're wrong. Of course, they're not going to admit, no, we're we're wrong. So, you know, what are they, what are they really saying then? Um, so you need a, it is, it is God, of course, not man, uh, has the right and the power to interpret then his words. And so, and this, again, he does through the Catholic church, through the Catholic intellect of that ministry, which Christ instituted in the church. And so Protestants, of course, by, by rejecting that authority, that infallible authority uh, of the church, um, they automatically then go to uh, private interpretation and has established then human reason, uh, human means that have only the semblance of understanding to kind of trump uh, the infallible word of God is that uh, it is man then interpret or man is the is the interpreter of God's words, not God as the interpreter of God's words. So. You know, it's private interpretation. Uh, uh, it should. Uh, it's always. It has always been condemned, of course, um, uh, in that regards. And and <clears throat> Monsignor says too, as well, on two page two forty three. Uh, he says uh, Saint Peter himself gives the reason for this condemnation. That is because they are divinely inspired. Um, so. You know, when we declare, however, that private interpretation of the scriptures should be rejected, we do not mean, of course, that the church is the supreme judge of the scriptures and of tradition in the sense that she possesses in herself a higher authority than either the scriptures or the monuments of tradition, but the word of God, which is contained in the scriptures or in tradition, is above all. So it is in itself a supreme authority. So, you know, that's, as Monsignor points out, this is often a calumny of, of, of Protestants or, or non-Catholics or enemies of the church, they'll often say, well, you, the ch you're saying that the church, Catholic church, then is above God, is above, you know, scripture in that regards, and that's not it at all. Um, it is, it is, uh, uh, the church is not the supreme judge of the scriptures, because God is, of course, is the supreme judge. Um, the word of God, again, is above all, but it's it, authority of itself, but the church simply discerns which is and which is not the word of God. And so the church gives the right interpretation to what she decides is truly the word of God and what God therefore then commands. And so it's not the church. The church doesn't judge the word of God. She, she interprets, she, discer she discerns the true interpretation from the false. And so it is the word of God which directs the church, not the other way around. The church doesn't direct the word of God. It's the word of God which directs the church. And Protestants, uh, and Protestants might say, well, how, how do we know? How can the Catholic Church know that it has authority to? But as we know from Scripture, the, the Scripture itself points to the Catholic Church having the authority to do it. So right. it, you, can't, you can't use that argument and then say, oh, I can privately interpret it because the, the scripture itself has said essentially that the Catholic Church has authority to do so. Right, exactly. And, and, and the same thing too, and I know we, we probably said it before, mm. but 
you can always remind Protestants too is like, well, where did we get the Bible? I mean, who who was the one, or who at the beginning uh, decided what was the Word of God and what wasn't? What was because there were many different, you know, epistles and 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 uh, gospels uh, that were written um, in the time of the apostles, really, or at least after the apostles, really. But but there were other letters and things being written and all sorts of things uh, all around, and so. You know what? What? Who was the one that put it together? Who was the one who decided? Okay, this is of God. This is the Word of God, and this is not. So you have things like you know, like the Gospel of Thomas, and you know, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, and you know, all this kind of things that were written by often, you know, heretics and things of that nature. But um, it was the Church that that decided. You know, it was the the Catholic intellect. It was the 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 Church herself that. Uh, under the guidance of the Holy Ghost, had declared, okay, this is not of God, this is not, this is, and this is. So this is where we get scripture. This is where we get the canon from. This is where, uh, you know, we have uh, the Bible from, is that it was the church that put it together, that made that decision by her authority given to her by Christ himself, the infallible authority by the the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And so, again, but it's not the church who was, uh, claim to be superior to or to judge or, or the judge of the word of God, it was just the discernment of what is the word of God or not. Is this, and, and it was then guided by the Holy Ghost to do so. And that leads on to the next headline, Father, on page 244. The authentic interpretation of the church on any scriptural text is the supreme rule of intelligence, which must simply be followed. <clears throat> yes, I mean, basically... It's, it goes back to, if you have authority, then the authority demands obedience. The, the authority demands submission to that authority. And so when the supreme authority of the church then issues, say, a decree declaring, as Monsignor says, its purpose to determine the sense of a scriptural text, then this definition is without doubt, then that tr- it's the true sense which the Holy Ghost intended to convey in, in, in that part of Scripture. So when the church, basically it's when the church speaks and declares, this is what it means, and this is the sense of this Scripture passage and that, then the Catholic is bound to say yes, uh, and not without any doubt, say this is it. And, you know, there are... Many texts, of course, as Monsignor points out, that whose genuine sense that the church has declared and defined by its authentic interpretation. And, and he just quotes a few, like, you know, I and the Father are one from St. John. And, or, going therefore, teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Or is any man sick among you? Let him bring in the priest of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and etc., etc. Or, amen, amen, I say to thee, unless a man be born of water and the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Or who sins you forgive, they are forgiven. So there are many passages, of course, in Scripture, which the church has decided upon and declared and defined that this is the sense, the authentic interpretation of this. Uh, and so, um, 
when it's been declared then and explained by popes, uh, by the councils of the church, you know, often you'll find in, in the encyclicals even of the uh, of the Holy Fathers, you'll find uh, the interpretation, some of the interpretations of some of the things from Scripture, or most especially in councils, in the canons of the councils, um, once they're defined like that and declared, this is how it is, this is how to, then that's it, is that, the, the, you know, basically Rome has spoken, and that is the authentic interpretation, that's the Holy Ghost speaking. Uh, so there's no room for uh, dissent from that at that point. And, and so, Father, you, uh, that last passage uh, you mentioned, which is also on page 245, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. Protestants must hate that because uh, a lot of things I hear are, I don't agree with the fact that priests can forgive sins. That's ridiculous. But scripture says that that's pretty explicit there that's pretty hard to construe in any other way i would say yeah there's really no wiggle room yeah no. really and and i have not found you know protestants uh they'll often of course they always try to have answers for everything but though but the answers they try especially that you're right especially that one they they there's no real definitive answer that they can give they often will belittle it often they'll just say well uh, you know basically well, our Lord really, uh, Jesus didn't really mean it that way. Uh, well, really? I mean, it's pretty explicit. I mean, it, and he was speaking to the apostles and he was saying, you know, what does that mean? I mean, if you're going sola scriptura, you can't be little parts of it. <laughs> what does that right. say for you then? Right. Well, and, and and like I said, in these, even in these two chapters of Monsignor's, this one and the next one as well, I mean, Monsignor does point out th just the uh, hypocrisy of the of the of the protestants and 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 just the i mean they they don't have a leg to stand on ultimately i mean in, in what they do and what they say um because again they're speaking uh just from human uh you know trying to interpret things just on a human level not they have no graces to or supernatural graces to be able to interpret infallibly what you know understand it even um this is why again the catholic intellect the catholic sense is embedded in the church is embedded you know, when one is uh, um, obedient, of course, to Holy Mother Church, when one is a Catholic and one is um, and, and, uh, submissive to her, uh, that, you know, you have this Catholic, I like to say in Catholic, like, yes, but you see things with Catholic eyes. You begin to understand things through the Catholic faith because this is what the church has taught us. And this is it's like an, it's like a, and, you know, Monsignor goes a little bit later in, in the either in this chapter or I think in the next one, but kind of like a, you know, memory foam, you know, like when you put your put your handprint on on in a like a pillow of memory foam or something like that, mm -hmm. and that handprint kind of stays there. Yeah. Um. You know, that's that's the Catholic intellect there. I mean, that's that's what the apostles put that in by their preaching and teaching and throughout the tradition, and has made that imprint within the church, and it has resonated then. For every Catholic and throughout the whole church, of course, and we understand things uh, because of that, because of, of the guidance of the Holy Ghost and, and the graces that are there. And that's that's really kind of in a general way, that's what that Catholic intellect means, um, is that we we understand things in the Catholic in the right sense, in the true sense, because we have an infallible interpreter uh, of the church, of course, uh, an infallible teacher. So, you know, actually in Monsignor, uh, it quotes... Um, 
from a couple of, uh, first he quotes from uh, the Council of Trent on page 246. Um, he says, or the Council of Trent says, I should say, uh, in regards to submission to, to the church's uh, interpretations, it says, uh, from the Council of Trent, it says, with regard to matters of faith and morals belonging to the upbuilding of Christian doctrine, no one confiding in his own prudence should dare to bend to his own sense the sacred scriptures against that sense which our Holy Mother of the Church always held and holds, to whom belongs the right to judge the true sense and the interpretation of the Holy Scriptures, or also against the unanimous consent of the fathers. And so, I mean, that's pretty explicit. I mean, that is, a, I mean, there's nothing, you know, nothing wishy-washy about that. That's saying is that, you, you know, you, you have to be obedient to what the church says. Otherwise, you know, no one would, should dare uh, to bend. And, and that was reinforced yet again by uh, the Vatican Council. Of course, First Vatican Council, as Monsignor uh, quotes from again as well, and, and Vatican Council says, and all things of faith and morals belong to the upbuilding of Christian doctrine. That sense must be regarded as the true sense of the scriptures, which our Holy Mother of the Church held and holds, to whom belongs the right to judge of the true sense and interpretation of the Holy Scriptures. Hence, no one is allowed to interpret a scriptural text against that sense or also against the unanimous consent of the fathers. So it's the same teaching. It's the same, uh, and it always has been, and the Council of Trent was just, uh, was just uh, it's not like it was teaching anything new. It was just restating what has always been believed in the time of the apostles, is that we are obedient to the Holy Church, the Holy Mother Church in her interpretations. And so, you know, it's with that that Monsignor, but also, and Monsignor does say, too, as well, and it's good to remind us, too, it says that neither the Council of Trent or the Vatican Council uh, intends to forbid all interpretations, only those which amount to a denial and rejection of the sense which is already rendered by the church or manifested in the unanimous consent of the fathers. So the church does allow for the liberty to, to the interpreters of scripture in their efforts to improve, as Monsignor says, the morality and knowledge of the faithful or to, say, investigate the, the difficult and subtle passages without detriment to the faith. In other words, as long as the interpretation is not, of course, been invalidly, uh, you know, said, the church has said, this is, this is in sense uh, to, to understand this. There's other, of course, pa scripture passages that are a little bit more obscure. And I think we touched even, I think last time, like, a, like the book of the apocalypse is a mm -hmm, little bit yes. in regards to, you know, there's some things that are defined definitively, but there's a lot of other things that are not necessarily so. But so it's, the church herself is a, and, and interpreters uh, in the proper sense are, are at liberty to investigate and say as long as the, it, nothing goes against faith or morals in regards or, or, or uh, uh, nothing is rejecting of any of the doctrines or uh, dogmas of the church or any of the sense of the scripture which the church has already said must be believed. Yes, essentially people are definitely allowed to have their opinions on elements of sacred scripture provided, of course, that the Catholic Church has not declared otherwise the conclusions are wrong. Or, of course, if it's not, uh, if it is in congruence with the teachings and all that, it's totally fine to have some opinions. Right, and that, but that's the same thing, uh, same thing as, and, and it's a good thing about, of course, actually a good thing, is it's the one of the wondrous things about being a Catholic, is again, you're, 
if you are if you are if you know the faith, if you are, are obedient if you are are submissive to the faith if you are faithful is that you are you know you do have that catholic sense about you and so you can you know look at things again with that catholic with the catholic eyes is that you know but this is where and you'll see too as well how the difference between like modernists <clears throat> of how they have taken now scripture and they've twisted it and bended it and, and, and rejected it, etc. like that. So that's a good sign. Of course, they have no Catholic sense in them at all. They have no Catholic sensibility about them. They, you know, they're, they're not imbued with that, that wonderful, uh, uh, you know, that, that wonderful uh, Catholic intellect that uh, has, you know, been in kind of inherent to, uh, in a faithful Catholic. And so, you know, those are the wonder, wonder, one, one of the wondrous things of the many, of course, of being Catholic. Yes, and uh, I think we can get our Novus Ordo condemnation fix, Father, with that Council of Trent quote. Yes. Which uh, says, uh, <laughs> no one should dare to bend his own sense, the sacred scriptures, against that sense which our Holy Mother, the Church, always held and holds. I think that uh, the ecumenical spirit and the teachings that some religions have elements, essentially teaching that, people in other religions than the Catholic Church can be saved. Uh, I think it's a pretty strong argument that that is incongruent with the interpretations of sacred scripture. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and if people say, oh, but, you know, it's the church has declared it now. It says here that the church always held and holds, not what it changes right. its mind on because it can't. Right. But th this is what the, the Novus Ordo and the modernist, again, they are the ones who are the who say that the church then ultimately is is the is uh, above the word of God. Mm. Um, so you know the church has always said no. The church is not. The church is the interpreter of of the word of the word of God, and it is the word of God that drives the church. It's not the other way around. And so, but my, modernists actually in the Novus Ordo uh, rightly deserve the condemnation that non-Catholics and enemies of the church kind of would often throw at the church, trying to uh, falsely. Uh, saying, you know, that, well, you say that you're above Scripture. Um, but it is actually the modernists and the Novus Ordo who actually fit that bill. Yes, they are yes. the ones who are declaring it. So Absolutely. We can move on to the next headline, Father, page 248. The authentic interpretation of the church is a rule of intelligence in a negative and an affirmative sense. If the church has not specifically set forth any authentic interpretation, she is the supreme canon of interpretation in a negative sense. I'm seeing a lot of terms, Father, that I'm not initially familiar with. I think a lot of other people are. Yeah. So we'll let you delve into that for the listeners. Well, you know, it, this is one of those technical chapters. It's a short one, which is, a, I mean, but it's, it's one of those that um, it's nice to know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you can understand it per se, but if you can't really, then it's, it's not. Basically, in, in, to be general, in a very generalized sense, and I'll just read you what the gist of the chapter actually is in this sentence, is what Monsignor wrote. He says, The sense which the church gives to any scriptural text must be accepted and believed as the sense which the Holy Ghost intended to convey through the inspired writers. That's the affirmative sense. Um, so basically, you know, if you want to, the, the negative sense, we, uh, it'd be understood that no one is allowed to give any scriptural text a sense opposed to that which the church has already announced. And the affirmative sense would mean basically that 
we must hold as true and revealed the sense which the church has given. Um, so it, you know, like I said, basically the, the chapter, you know, there's a little, uh, you know, it's, it, it, you're right. There's a lot, some terms in there that maybe are not, uh, um, well known per se, you know, for a layman in that regards and really not really necessary per se. Uh, but again, the, the sense you should understand is that the church gives to any scriptural text, when the church does that, it must be accepted and believed mm -hmm. as that sense which the Holy Ghost intended to convey. You know, that's what you understand. And then we understand that then no one from that point is allowed then to give any scriptural text then a sense which is opposed to which the church has already declared on that. So there's basically in a nutshell what that negative and the affirmative sense means. Father, I would say that this chapter is probably the most technical we have come across so far in this textbook. Would you agree? Yeah, I probably it's, it's up there. Yes, that's why, probably why it's one of the shortest ones. Mm. Yes. And, uh, and to listeners, like I found that reading the book as well really helps you uh, understand this, um, as well as listening to the show we are obviously recording. So if listeners, you do want to get a better understanding, definitely a good idea to get your hands on the textbook and uh, you know, read it as well as listen to the shows for the best understanding if it interests you. Now, Father, we can move on to headline in on uh, page 250. In any scriptural doctrine, the Catholic intellect helps and leads to the truth in a positive way. Right. So, um, as we said before, you know, there's not every... Uh, every part of scripture is, is has been defined by the church. In other words, interpreted by the church and there's many um, difficult uh, passages in scripture um, as and as well as Monsignor says many doctrines believe by the faithful in which the the popes and the the councils of the church have have never pronounced uh, what it is and so but again in these in these cases we must always then again have recourse to again that Catholic intellect uh, of the universal church as the interpreter of those. And so, you know, when, a, when you read something in Holy Scripture and, and you know, in, you read, um, if there's no commentary per se, too much on it, uh, when the text maybe isn't clear, uh, you know, taken by itself, you know, but we know, though, that it refers, say, to a, a, a special doctrine or something which is believed, professed, or practiced in the church, as Monsignor says, we must we must then presume that if the text is obscure to us, it was clear enough then to the early Christians mm -hmm. to whom it was first really addressed, because that's what Scripture is. It was written for the other early Christians, really. Yes. Uh, yes. To to address you know questions or to address things or, or heresies maybe that popped up. So. It was clear to them. It may not be clear to us, um, but so it's not. It's not the church's fault of that. It's just you know we have to accept the fact that you know we. It, it, it may be not clear to us, but it was. It was. It is clear to the church, and it was clear to the, those who who needed to hear it at that point. But the scriptures of say the new, the New Temps Testament, as Monsignor says, were generally written to, to Christians, early. Christians, you know, Christians and Catholics, same thing, um, who had already received the faith through the preaching of the apostles. And so, you know, when they when the apostles wrote down uh, that uh, uh, scriptures, uh, their gospels, 
or their, their, their wrote their letters, uh, St. Paul or St. Peter or St. John, or um, they had already preached those things to the people. And, the, and in fact, the, that was the that was the main avenue to teach the faith. It was the preaching and the teaching of the apostles. Of, I mean, that was that was by verbal. And so the people were well catechized in that. They were well um, uh, understanding of what was already there. And so it was just like a, a reaffirmation of what was already, or some of the things that were already they already knew, or maybe even some new things that were addressed, but yet the basis has already been taught to them before. And, and so, you know, that, um, so that, that preaching of the apostles, that catechism, basically, that imprint, as I said before, uh, that Catholic intellect was imbued by the preaching of the apostles, and it always has remained in the church of that. It's like that imprint of that hand and that uh, memory foam, you know, that's, that's, uh, has uh, imbued the church uh, from that point. And so, you know, Monsignor goes on to on page uh, 252, and he says that the authors, the authors of Holy Scripture, the apostles, etc., uh, inspired by the Holy Ghost, taught truths in words which they afterwards mentioned in the Scriptures, though not in the same words as we used to explain, say, indulgences, confession, immaculate conception, confirmation, ordination, extreme unction, and so forth. Nevertheless, they were intelligible to their hearers. They possessed a more intimate knowledge through the preaching of the apostles. Uh, it was exactly this intimate knowledge of the first Christians which remains in the church today. It forms that conscience of faith, that Catholic intellect, which under the assistance of the Holy Ghost enables the church to discern the true sense of scriptures. So um, it is, uh, you know, again, that... Uh, um, we we keep in mind is that what was written in Holy Scriptures is in conjunction what was when was already preached to to the early Christians as they understood it, yeah they they were they understood the faith because it was preached to them it was taught it was by by mouth, but it was uh, reinforced uh, in in written uh, of course later in Scripture in, in written form, <clears throat> and so Monsignor ends the this chapter he says if reading the sacred Scriptures we are inclined to think differently from the church. We must rather confess our ignorance because, as as St. Augustine warns us on this point, not getting to know what the writer meant is one thing. To deviate from the rule of piety is another. In other words, again, we we understand that although we may not understand something we read in Holy Scripture and maybe something that the church necessarily is 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 quiet about it, maybe at this point, or in the things we've, we've read per se, but it was well understood by the early Christians. I mean, it was, it was not as if the church has never understood this. That's why she's quiet. Uh, no, it was just, it's always been understood. It's just uh, the early Christians maybe had a better grasp of it than maybe we. And so, again, it's not the church's fault. It's not saying that the church is not infallible because of that. It's she is erring or she is just lacking. It's Really, really on our part that we, you know, we are inclined to um, confess our ignorance at that point. And say, you know, I, I don't know. It's my fault. I don't understand it. But we know that the church does. And so, this is why Saint Augustine says, you know, if we, uh, if to to not understand maybe what's the writer of Holy Scripture 
is writing and understand that, you know, that's that's one thing. That's, you know, it's kind of normal because a lot of, you know, you read, again, Scripture. But to deviate then from what the what saying that, uh, you know, well, the church is an error or I'm not going to, you know, that's a whole different realm. It's the bad path to take, like the Protestants have yes. taken. Uh, an analogy I sort of take, because I hate I hate advanced maths. I can't stand it. And if you know, if someone puts this advanced formula and you know gives me the answer, I'm going to be thinking, I, I do not understand this at all. But and that's fine to say that. But if I said, you know, if I had a maths teacher and I said, "Oh, you're wrong," just because I don't understand it, you'd be laughed. You'd be laughed out of the class. Like it, it just it wouldn't wash. Right. That's a, that's a good example. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's that's. That's what it is because then you – that's a, a just a prime example of a, re, of a rejection of objected truth really mm-hmm. is that you know, of, 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 of true authority because if your authority, like Protestants will say, is basically yourself, um, you know, uh, you reject the authority of the church, etc. like that. So, you know, it means that uh, you try to then say if you – Name yourself as I'm the true authority, and then maybe you don't understand something. Well, you don't want to admit to yourself that I'm wrong, so you have to point your finger at something else. Say, oh no, that's because of that, because of this, not because of my ignorance. Father, I want to put forth a potential argument that not a Protestant or someone from the Novus Ordo, but actually a potential atheist might put forward someone trying to say that God does not exist. Uh, attentive, extremely attentive listeners may already have know the answer because we have sort of covered it but i just want to outline it so um, people might use it in the future now as we mentioned that scripture was written for the people at the time and as we also know god knows the future and the church is for the future an atheist might say well if god knew everything if this god exists and he knows everything and he knows the future why did he allow scripture which was only possible for people at their time to fully understand how would we address that argument father uh, you just say the church. You ju- I mean, you just say that the, he instituted the church um, to be the, again, the guide and the uh, interpreter uh, of all things. And that is the church, of course, that um, the Holy Ghost uses uh, for the sanctification of souls and for uh, for bringing, uh, um, sanctifying souls and etc. And so, yes, you can say, I mean, you know, there are things in Scripture maybe that the, the early Christians maybe were directed towards them, but it doesn't mean that they that the general principles and the general everything that is regards does not necessarily apply to us today. It still does. This is why you can look at you can look at uh, again like when Monsignor says you know things of like uh, the Immaculate Conception or Confirmation or Nation Extremunction and so forth. Those may, those words per se are not specifically written in scripture, but the in the sense of it or the understanding of the maybe the definitions so so to speak of those are really intimate, either intimated or sometimes maybe a little uh, maybe not not supremely clear, but they are there. Mm-hmm. And so it took the church to kind of elicit elicit that out to continue to to teach that to the people. So it is not necessarily. Uh, as if, you know, like the letter to the to the St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, you know, yes, they were written directly to the Galatians, but it's not a, what the content of it 
uh, is, you know, superfluous to us today. I mean, there are, you know, a lot of things that are in there that are still, of course, apply to us today, even in general principles as well. And so, although, you know, we can, we can say, uh, you know, I often sometimes say is that, you know, when you read something like that, or maybe even, uh, even when uh, like St. Paul's letter to say Timothy or something of, you know, it's a very specific letter, I mean, obviously, but you can insert your own name in there and say, you know, or, or, or insert, uh, you know, you, like I, I, I remember uh, something, I, I can't remember a sermon I gave on uh, one of St. Paul's letter, I think it was to the Galatians or something. And I said, you know, insert, instead of the Galatians, you know, St. Paul's writing to the Alabamians, you know, and, hmm. and this is, so you can take, and so, I mean, it is, you know, there's a lot of things that are, are, are uh, applicable, of course, today. It's not as if scripture necessarily, of course, is dead. Yeah, I mean, sure, it was written 2,000 years ago uh, in that regards, but it still, uh, you know, uh, resonates to us today because, uh, you know, truth, truth is truth, and, and it doesn't, you know, truth doesn't change. And so, you know, atheists, atheists are a funny bunch uh, in that regards is it takes more effort to be an atheist than to be a believer. It takes more faith, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in, in, a, in a weird way, yes, it does. Uh, because it, basically, really, atheists and, you know, uh, I mean, they are deniers of reality, ultimately. Um, you know, they have to invent their own reality because... Uh, uh, and, and it's uh, there. It's a sad bunch, I tell you. I mean, uh, there, there's no. I've never, I've never met a happy atheist. <clears throat> you know, I mean, they say, yeah, oh, whatever, I'm happy, but really, no, they're not, because their whole ultimate, their whole, you know, mindset is, this is it, this is it, this is it. You know, this is all, this is all there is. And and so, you know, when they have, especially, you know, meet an atheist who say has some sort of you know, unfortunately, maybe some sort of physical disease or something like that, and you'll meet the the most miserable person in the whole world um, because they have no, I mean, they they don't have any hope. Yeah, absolutely. I always find it interesting as well how a lot of atheists will spend so much time and effort trying to convince people that there is no God and to leave their religion. And I think, well, if you believe there is no God and there is no religion, Okay, so you believe that the religious people are wrong. But if they're wrong and they're living their lives and they die and that's it, so what? It, it, it doesn't, right. there's no point. But so, well, as with a Catholic, you know, who promulgates and preaches the gospel, you can say, well, I'm preaching it because I believe and objective truth dictates that we have souls. So I'm helping right. people to, but for an atheist, you're not helping anyone. No. I usually think when I see that that it's it's a it's almost like they're trying to prove to themselves that mm-hmm. they're right being an atheist. I, I just don't see any other possible motivation. That's there. exactly right. Right. No, that's the because really, I mean, being an atheist is that you know if someone is an atheist and I talk to an atheist or something like that, mm-hmm. and they're trying to say you know God doesn't exist and doesn't exist, and you can say, and I, my response is, what do you care? I mean, what, yes. what, would you care if what I believe or not? If you believe there's no God, then so what? Then live your life as if they're fine. fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you're wrong, and I want to. Yes. I want. I want to. You know, but but if you're an atheist and you're telling me there's no God, and I shouldn't believe that there's no God, but yet, well, then who cares? I mean, if there's no God, then if I want to believe something else, then who cares? I mean, just leave me alone. But they but they don't. 
because they want to, well, ultimately, most atheists have a hatred of God. They know God exists. They just want to get as many people to uh, say that God doesn't exist, to believe them, to somehow they're thinking, I guess, that if I get enough people to believe that God doesn't exist, then maybe he won't really exist kind <laughs> yes. of thing, you know? Um, so, you know, they're, like I said, they're, um, uh, atheists are, a, a, a they're a different bunch, I tell you. Yes, yes. Oh, we can go back on topic farther to the last headline for this chapter on page 253. The Catholic intellect is not an obstacle to a progressive and fuller knowledge of the scriptures. Yes, uh, Monsignor, again, um, you know, it is, uh, um, this is one of the things that, you know, the, uh, this last chapter, again, is reminding us that uh, Holy Mother Church is an infallible authority in regards to the interpretation of Holy Scripture. And thank God <laughs> we have this authority, infallible authority, to help us to because you know it's it certainly is um a great comfort to us and you know monsignor says you know since catholics believe since catholics believe in an infallible authority as an article of faith and have no doubt about it the definitions of the church cannot be but true because truth cannot contradict truth and so you know we have an infallible authority which can never obstruct or impede or give anything evil or lead astray uh, anything in regards to phase or morals that uh, she puts forth, of course, as her teaching or interpretation. So, you know, just imagine yourself as a Protestant, you know, taking upon that, that, uh, um, of course, rejecting of, of authority, but yet having that authority then imposed upon yourself and then saying, you know, what is right and what is wrong, you know, the, the, uh, the weight of that, uh, you know, is just uh, too much. Uh, and, and this is why, you know, we as Catholics, we have an infallible authority. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to take that weight upon ourselves. We have to be obedient and submissive because we know that we have an infallible authority that will never lead us astray if we are if we are faithful to her and so you know protestants of course um as monsignor says on, on 254 says they are uh, hampered by a double error it's just bad enough to have one error but they're doubled by a double error and he says that the first error that is dogmatic uh, in other words protestants does not believe in an in but may not believe in an infallible church and so he asserts that her solemn judgment is only an opinion to be examined and judged by everyone so again with that rejection of that infallible teacher is that then basically you're on your own uh, you know you're, you're kind of a you know swimming in a, a, a sea without a, a lifeboat uh, in that regards and so you know that's a 